it requires guts to say, actually, I'm struggling right now. I need some help and support. I don't want to carry on like this. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Joe Pamol. Joe was introduced to us by Heather Waring from show number 172. Joe retrained as a homeopath 10 years ago after a career in education involving stints in a psychiatric unit school, a pupil referral unit and teaching the gypsy traveller pupils as an outreach teacher as well as mainstream education. She also worked as a professional tarot reader. Her love for natural and complementary medicine started in her teenage years with homeopathy being the answer to treating severe allergies and eczema. She's raised two children, now teenagers, with homeopathy and is a practice in North East London and online, in which she loves treating patients and watching them heal with homeopathic remedies. Jo is also a holistic life coach and this year, during COVID-19, Jo founded a coaching programme for therapists, called Resilient Therapists. She's absolutely passionate about raising the profile of therapies and healing modalities to improve well-being, even more than ever now that well-being is being accepted as our greatest asset. Joe recently launched a campaign in September 2020 called Project Heal the Nation in which she featured 30 therapists and their work on Instagram. She also won a gold award in the Janie Loves Awards for her resilient therapist's coaching work, Supporting Therapists. Jo is really excited to be supporting therapists and helping to get them doing more and shouting more about what they do. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Jo Permal, homeopath and founder of Resilient Therapists. Welcome Jo, great to have you with me. Hi Jo, welcome. I mean, thanks for having me. <laughs> so start by telling us a bit about who you are. Uh, what you do and crucially where you do it. Um, okay Jo so I'm a homeopath and I work um, from northeast London. Um, I live in Chinkford and at the moment um, as we are in a pandemic I'm actually working online which is great because it means I can treat people anywhere. Um, I've been a homeopath for the last seven years. I started retraining 10 years ago and I founded the Resilient Therapists coaching program at the start of lockdown. Uh-huh. And why does Chingford make me think of that, that comedy programme? Was, was that in Chingford? The, the Are you line? thinking of Birds of a Feather? Oh, was it Birds of a Feather? Was That's that well. <laughs> well, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's not quite the same. So, no, I'm not at all. No. The Good Life, I need to go and look that up as well afterwards, find out where that was. <laughs> but, oh, there we go. Uh, excellent. So um, talk about how you ended up being a homeopath, because as you say, it's it's been sort of more recently and so presumably that's not what you were doing when you first sort of got out into the business world um how did that all come about 
So I was a teacher. Um, I was a teacher for 12 years and I worked in secondary education. And I, I really loved being a teacher. I loved the kids. I loved the work. However, it's very challenging being a teacher, especially in London. Um, and I became a homeopath because towards the end of my time in teaching, I burnt out. And um, homeopath homeopathy was what really helped me get through that period of feeling very stressed and overwhelmed as a teacher. Uh -huh. I'd had previous experience of being treated as a, um, by a homeopath um, in my teenage years. And so since I was about 13, 14, I was always interested in what it was. Um, but it wasn't an, until I had this sort of quite dark period as a, as a teacher that I really began to look into, well, what is homeopathy and how does it work and how can I use it? And it, it just it grew from there. Um, it was a real passion then. Mm -hmm. And so that's quite a, a sort of different thing to, to, to have been doing. Um, I guess it was partly sort of forced, <laughs> forced on you with the, the sort of circumstance, but what was the process? So, you know, I think sometimes with the therapy stuff, you know, you, you learn how to do the therapy. The business thing is a whole you know different kettle of fish how, how yeah. did you make that happen well it's interesting that you say you see it as being quite different because I actually don't see the two sort of um, career choices as being very different both mm -hmm. are working with people and both are you know listening to people and I think if you're a good teacher you listen to your students and you connect with them and you find out what makes them tick and then those skills become transferable and you use them as a homeopath. So I, I don't see it as being a complete career change. The business side, yes, that was completely out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, being sort of given a monthly paycheck as a teacher to then having to be self-employed and, and deal with all of that. I found that really, really challenging. Um, and that's partly why I've set up this um, coaching program called Resilient Therapists because I recognise that for all therapists, um, coaching and supporting therapists in their work is what holds a lot of people back. Yes, yeah. So tell us a bit more about the, the founding of that. You said it was at the beginning of lockdown. Is that what prompted it or was it just a, a happy coincidence? It was a happy coincidence, um, as happy as it can be. I um, I started as a homeopath and then a couple of years ago, I decided I wanted to do a diploma in holistic life coaching because I really wanted to go deeper with my homeopathy patients. Um, and then when it came to doing the case studies for my diploma course, I put, a, put it out there that I wanted to, um, and you know, anyone was welcome to come along to, to be a, a case study. And everyone who came to me was actually a therapist of some sort. They were either starting their business, they were, you know, in well into their business, but they needed guidance and support. So as I worked through those hours of case studies, you know, the penny began to drop. But actually, if all of these people are coming to me and they need support, then there must be more out, out there. You know, there, there are people out there who need this nurturing and handholding and challenging. And literally first week of lockdown, I finished my diploma. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something with this. You know, now is the time for me to, to get creative. And, and it just flew. It flew from there. So tell us a bit about the Resilient Therapists uh, 
program what what does that look like what does it do who do you work with so I work with anyone whether they're at the start of their journey whether they're literally just graduating as a a therapist of any kind or whether they have been doing it for a little while and I've even got some people I've worked I'm working with right now who have been therapists for maybe 20 years so it it doesn't matter what stage you are at your journey it's a a lot of it is confidence building so helping people with putting themselves out there maybe they're feeling anxious um, or need more confidence in promoting themselves on social media blogging um you know anything that puts them in the public eye I'm finding that is something that people need real support with Mm. or it could be things like looking at the systems and the business side of their of their work and that is really what's stopping them from doing what they want to do with their therapy Um, because it can be extremely overwhelming if you're you've got casework and great cases that you're working on with your clients but then in the background you've got this niggle about I really need to do my accounts. I really need to do, um, you know, write lists for who to market to and that kind of thing. So it's about helping therapists set up systems as well so that they can then get on with the work and, and, and heal other people, which is essentially what we all want to do as therapists and healers. Mm-hmm. So it's quite practical help. Yeah, practical, but also um, quite creative. I really like pushing people to be creative and finding that inner spark that, of you know what their passion is about why they came into this therapy you know what was their goal when they started it because often often in any kind of business we lose that reason why and we need to reconnect with our reason why yes yeah and you've used the word resilient and it's uh, one of the uh, elements of power um yes the organization well-being energy and resilience <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which actually was um, quite a, a, a word coined by my daughter, who was probably only about 10 at the time. So I was very impressed that she came up with that for me. Um, but why did you choose resilient as the, the the sort of main word in there? I chose resilient because I realised myself that in the last 10 years in my journey as a homeopath, I'd had to really dig into my own resilience, mm. um, whether that be through working with particular clients, whether that be through personal issues that I'd gone through um, in terms of establishing a business, growing a client base, um, life stuff that happened along the way. In, you know, in the last seven years, my daughter had had major surgery as well. And I knew that I needed to be able to contain that and contain those emotions so I could still support other people on their healing journey. So resilience, I don't want to sort of sound overconfident here but I do feel it's a bit of a superpower of mine in that I can heal other people and still look after myself and if I can encourage other therapists to to be resilient and to look after themselves then they can go on to do some great work supporting other people mm-hmm. and it's, it's sometimes I was talking to somebody yesterday who's, who's actually a therapist and we were talking about the whole sort of cobbler's children thing that often you do end up helping other people and not helping yourself or, or certainly to the detriment of yourself yeah. particularly in a business situation when you feel like you have um no choice other than to do whatever you've committed to sort of thing yeah I think I think that's you know really fair point that you know when when we do we want to help people and it can be a case of being completely to your own detriment but it's about boundaries it's about you as a therapist I think having good boundaries and knowing what you can and can't do knowing your limitations 
um, and being able to say no to things. Yes. Yeah. How do you do that as a therapist though? Because, you know, going back to what you're saying, you know, your why, a lot of therapist whys are about obviously helping people and helping people to sort of recover from things that often they've had themselves. And I'm just thinking about a friend of mine who, who was really helped with Reiki and is now, you know, practicing that sort of thing. Um, how do you, how do you balance? Oh, I'm getting sore throat now. Not sore throat. A cough. Don't worry. I'm not ill. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you get the, um, how do you get that balance between the fact that you really desperately want to help everyone, which is probably, you know, at the heart of a lot yeah. of therapists sort of wise mm-hmm. with that saying no thing and creating those boundaries. It's, it's something that I think has evolved. And now I can look back on um, having made many a mistake along the way with that. Yeah. Um I think having a clear structure in terms of what time of day I would cut off talking to any patients, um, whether that be through a text, that is one thing, but also knowing my own limitations. And, and part of being a homeopath is that we will treat anyone for anything. It's sort of like being a general practitioner, but then knowing what my strengths are as a homeopath. And for me, really niching what I've what I do and who I work with mm-hmm. has really helped me have those boundaries. So I really love working with people who suffer with anxiety. I like working with people who have skin issues and I love working with families and children. So if there's an, an issue that isn't within my niched areas, I would pass it on to a colleague right. um, and just say that I know someone who can really support you with this and they're going to do a fantastic job. So it's again, it's working to my strengths and knowing my strengths. But of course, that only comes with confidence, with age and with practice. Yes, I love that. That's a real sort of double whammy as well. It's that whole thing, as you say, about creating almost like a process that that, that creates a boundary for you because you know you don't work with those people. But yeah. also, you know, you know, most of us know how important niching is, although many of us aren't very good at it because it feels too restricting and, and worrying. Um, but actually, you've you've done the both. You've created that niche and you've created an opportunity to have those boundaries and, and quite easily be able to, you know, put them out there when when needed. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm always really open with my coaching clients and say that. I'm going to teach you and we're going to work together because I've made a hell of a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, You know, when I started my journey, in fact, my mum reminded me of this yesterday, I would have tried sort of taken on anyone for anything and not had those boundaries in place. So the reason I can talk confidently about it and support um, therapists is because, you know, I hold my hands up and say, I I did a lot of things wrong. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm more of an experiential learner in that sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, that yeah. that gives me that gives me the kind of the content to be able to work effectively with with clients now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for those people who don't know, what is a homeopath? So a homeopath is um, well, homeopathy is a natural form of medicine. It was established in the 1700s, and it works on the principle of like cures like. Um, it's a medicine that is very bespoke and individualized. There are something like over 3000 types of homeopathic medicine and remedies. And what we do in a session is we will talk through your issue and your complaint and how that is affecting you now. But we'll also look at your history of that illness and we'll take every aspect of your health and well-being into account. So it's like 
being part detective, sort of part histo- historical of your case, and um, and then working out what remedies will suit you. And the beautiful thing about it is that everyone is different. So say, for example, you were talking to me about a headache. I'm not going to give you the same headache remedy that I'm going to give somebody else because your headache is very different and it's very much a personal thing for you. So a homeopath goes into a lot of detail and joins the dots and connects everything together. Mm-hmm. And you said that you trained as a holistic therapist as well. What what does that mean? Uh, well, it's a holistic life coach. So holistic life coaching is looking again at the whole person. Yes. Um, and coaching them again on aspects to do with mind, body and spirit, mm-hmm. um, not just one specific area. So it's bringing in to the conversation everything about them and understanding that how you are physically and how you are emotionally, spiritually and mentally is all part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you also mentioned that you now work online because of the lockdown how was yeah. that transition for you? Uh, it sounds like you weren't working online before and then all of a sudden yeah. you were. <laughs> How did you facilitate that? Well, Zoom is wonderful, isn't it, for for client work. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm finding clients really like it. They like to be able to sit and have a chat in the comfort of their own home and have a cup of tea. And, you know, the, the length of the session is exactly the same. And I'll post remedies out and they'll get them within 48 hours. So it works. However, I'm a really people person mm-hmm. and I love seeing people and I especially love working with children. So I do miss that side of my work mm-hmm. at the moment. So there's a there's a balance here. You know, it's it's not ideal for everyone but it's better for some people mm-hmm. and I guess better than not being able to work <laughs> yeah of course I mean I there are so many um, therapists out there at the moment who cannot work yes. um, you yeah. know because of PPE and not being able to touch and you know it, it's very very difficult for them so I am lucky and I do count my blessings yeah. and that's part of the reason why I wanted to support therapists during lockdown um, because for I really saw it as being a unique opportunity for a lot of people to develop and grow their business while they weren't able to work. Yes. Yeah. So just thinking about sort of what your days look like, bearing in mind that um, on top of running your own business and seeing people and presumably um, continuing with your learning, which I guess is probably the main of what your business was you've added this this other business which is about supporting people in their businesses so it's quite different mm. to what you were doing how have you especially given you then went to you know online working all at the same time uh, how have you um sort of fitted it all together and how do you make sure you get done what you need to get done well i'm i'm a real lists person i've got lists everywhere post-it notes everywhere and to me that is my my way of managing um I like ticking things off I get real satisfaction from that um but I can't really function and do my day's work unless I've had some time in the morning to clear my head and because I have a dog I find that that hour that I would walk the dog every day um and I tend to go to Epping Forest to do that is for me a time to sort of just think about what do I want to achieve today um get all that kind of mind chatter out of my head that would hold me back. And then when I come back and I start work, I can get on with what I need to do. Mm -hmm. 
So, so you've done your walk, you've got your lists, you've yes. got your boundaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that do? You have do you sort of? I mean, one of the things I do with my uh, coaching and and my podcast is I corral it all into three days. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are full on, um, yeah. but then I've got sort of big chunks of time in the rest of the week to do you know whatever else I need to do. Is that similar to what you do? Or well, I yes and no. So. I try to work, I have two evenings a week where I'm available to homeopathic clients. So usually mm-hmm. a Monday up till about seven, I'll work. And Wednesday was my clinic um, day. So I used to work from one to eight. So I'm still available online on a Wednesday in the evening. Um, and I also um try to do most of my work in the school day so normally start my work about 9 15 9 30 and I try to have um, most of it finished on the other days by three o'clock so that I can actually spend some time with my kids and ask them how their day was Um, but also I find that my creative time tends to be about five o'clock in the evening which doesn't quite fit with that so um, I'll often disappear upstairs between about five and six to just kind of get ideas down um in the day as well and my children are teenagers so they don't need me hanging around as much as a smaller child would just knowing that I'm around I think is is good for them yes yes yeah yeah it's interesting does that does that make you a a a night bird is that why you're no I I don't work in the evenings really I'm I like to read watch tv in the evenings I'm a morning person I like to get up a regular time every morning um have my breakfast early try and get out to walk the dog by eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and if I'm going to do any cleaning, it's got to happen first thing in the morning as well. Yes, um, yeah. I'm, I love mornings. Yes. That's interesting that you've got your sort of five o'clock creativity sort of thing, but also great that you know that and you can cover yeah. time. I think I just created that time because it means that I can try and get out of cooking the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must work that one out. I, n- I never used to really cook dinner until lockdown. And then I suddenly found myself cooking for England. That seemed to be my way of, um, I'm obviously a feeder, I've decided. That's my way yeah. of nurturing the family. I mean, I like cooking, but I have to say, I prefer the washing up part at the end. So um, yeah, if my, if my husband and kids want to cook, that's fine by me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you talked about being a list person. Is that pen and paper? Yes, um, it is pen and paper, but I do integrate. Um, I have like a Google Calendar with a notes function. So when I'm out and about, I will add notes in. Um, so, but yeah, I, I love pen and paper. And I think, you know, that's the a disadvantage of technology, isn't it? That a lot of people are stepping away from using notebooks and pens. Yes, yeah, so you say that, although I, I, I could probably count on one hand the number of people who come on this podcast and tell me that they use anything other than pen and paper. <laughs> Okay. either I attract pen and paper fans or um or it's it's a myth that the tech companies are putting out there <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, you know it's partly a um a balance isn't it between yeah there's something really nice about writing and just that kind of process of you know going through your head and through your hand and onto paper it enables me to be more creative um, yeah yeah, yeah. So what about other um, tools and apps that you do use? You talked about Google Calendar. And yes. Um, so as a homeopath and a coach, I have a booking system online, um, which I set up about four years ago on the advice of another homeopath. And that really changed the way I work. Um, it enabled me to integrate 
you know, people booking in for appointments. Um, but it also took out all the admin for me, um, which has been a massive time saver. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just makes my life a lot easier and it all, all links into my Google as well. So that's a really good system I'd recommend for, for therapists. Which um, one do you use? I use one called Get Timely, but there are free ones. I think Calendly is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's lots out there. Um, but I my one integrates my accounting system, my newsletter system, my diary. Oh, wow. um, so if somebody books in to see me, um, I will get an email notification straight away that they've booked in, tells me whether they've paid me or not. Um, so I then know whether I need to chase them up for the money. Um, and I can also send them invoices as well. So it's a really effective system. And again, as a new therapist, I didn't know that those things even existed. I was doing everything pen and paper in a diary and it was taking me hours and hours a week, especially if somebody cancelled an appointment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, well, again, it goes back to that sort of one of my original questions, which is, you know, how you sort of marry the providing therapy with running a business and and that when you don't know some of that stuff it it gets in the way doesn't it yeah well um I have a coach and she always says you don't know what you don't know and and sometimes when you don't know things you can be so well you can just feel very short-changed that your life is going one way and you want it to go another way can't you so um yeah I mean the technology is great as a therapist and I think the more we integrate it into our practice and the more streamlined we become the more effective we become Mm. do you find that that's sometimes a hard sell um as in I I work with quite a few people where they're setting up in business and they um you know they want to learn how to to do it you know more easily and all that sort of thing but but actually they do sometimes I, I almost feel sometimes they block their ability to learn what I'm trying to teach them because they just assume it's too complicated or absolutely yeah absolutely so I mean I'm working with a, f- a few therapists right now and there's a massive resistance to putting things online yeah. part of that is technology and this feeling of it being out of their comfort zone but another part of it is as I said at the start it's all about confidence. And when you put yourself out there, then you have to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Mm. Whereas all the time you're on pen and paper and people are referred to you sort of going sort of around the back houses, mm. it, it's a less out there sort of visible experience. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, resistance is definitely something that I can see and I sort of experience in, in the same way. I was talking to someone today as an accountant and I was talking about email marketing and there was a sort of process and we were sort of sorting it out and I could see that he wasn't quite following along. And I was trying to say to him, you know, you could do a pivot table in Excel, which I have no idea how you do that. Me neither. <laughs> but, you know, you could work out the process and you could work out the, um, the dependencies and everything else to make that process happen. And, you know, the email marketing is no different. It's just a different tool. Um, but it, there's still dependencies and process and, you know, all that sort of thing, triggers of things and that sort of thing. But it was Yeah, I think for a lot of people, that sort of stuff is is quite dull and it's very mm. techy. And if you're a creative healing type, it's really not your forte. Yeah. And I think 
there's this big guilt thing about should you take on somebody else to do that work for you um and you know just reaching out and getting somebody else to do part of your business can really free you up and it can be a very liberating experience yeah um and that's one thing I would encourage therapists to do is if you don't get it then pay somebody else who does um because your life is going to become so much easier yes yeah what sort of things do people outsource in your industry or would you suggest they outsource so um website building for one mm-hmm. um integrating systems like the, like I've talked about like booking systems newsletter systems um yeah. integrating something like MailerLite or Mail- MailChimp um des- uh, sort of design and branding work yeah um, accounting yes those things would everything everything apart from treating people (laughs) yeah yeah exactly I mean I think and that's that's what we need to be doing more of we need to be doing more of the the treating people especially now with the world being the way it is yeah um and you know recognizing that other people have other talents which part of my resilient therapist therapist program is I've got a, a couple of ladies I'm working with who know all of that stuff and they're passionate about um social media work and they're passionate about um creating websites so if I can link up with other people that can support my therapists then that's that's a great marriage because everyone is happy then yes yeah and so this podcast will be going out at the end of January so who knows where we'll be in terms of the the pandemic um uh we're recording it just as we're about to go into uh proper lockdown again um what have you seen in terms of sort of resilience and um challenges and and people's mindsets through the time because you've obviously you know worked with people from your sort of coaching perspective but also through the resilient therapist program um as well as I guess you know the sort of what you'd call your usual clients (laughs) that you work with well if I sort of think about my homeopathy clients first a big change I think going through a whole range of emotion grief has been a big emotion Mm. um anxiety and depression um and I niche my work working with a lot of people with anxiety anyway so I've noticed a real change in terms of how anxiety presents itself um and how people are more open now to admitting they're anxious and they're more open to asking for help for it Mm. Um, so that's been great I think that people have also really valued that health is their greatest asset and it doesn't matter how rich you are um, or what car you drive if you're unhealthy then you know that's it's a great leveler isn't it Um, so that to me has been such a positive thing that has come out of this that people are saying actually I need to book in for a session Um, my practice has been very busy um, because of that which has been good Mm. I felt very very encouraged by that I think what I've noticed for this second lockdown so we're literally like you say going to go into a second lockdown a big shift in terms of cases and mood has been the change from um like the seasonal changes so um as as the light has become less um that has really brought out people's shadow sides and it's brought out a lot of things that they really want to explore and get rid of, um, which again is encouraging, um, but it's hard work for them. 
you know and it's it requires guts to say actually I'm struggling right now I need some help and support I don't want to carry on like this so you know that's been a a really big challenge for me as a practitioner yes Um, but a really enjoyable one because I love working with people and getting them through those stages Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been it's been a ride it's been a really you know crazy ride I think they call it the corona coaster don't they so um I heard that one but yeah (laughs) it's it's been very intense but hugely rewarding yeah and then I think with therapists we've also been on such a journey you know could we work couldn't we work if you can work you've got to do it in PPE um and then you know lots of people working online some people not able to work online other people taking on other income streams so they can can work so it's been a really challenging time Mm. it's particularly interesting because as an industry and we are a well-being industry that we have been told that we're not an essential service Um, and I find that just really aggravating Um, and you know it's something that I've been campaigning about and trying to raise awareness of um so yeah it's not it's not been easy and I think that's where the resilience comes you know we are therapists and healers for a reason and most people who have been on this journey who have changed to become a a therapist or healer have done it because they've gone through a process of healing themselves and they're so passionate about what they do that you know they, they want to kind of wax lyrical about it and and sort of talk about the value of what they do and then we're being shut down um so it's been a great time to really work on you know the systems and the putting themselves out there so that when we can go back um we're going to do it in such a big way yes yeah and so have you personally how have you sort of ensured your resiliency through this and how do you make sure that you keep healthy and you're you know relaxed and all that sort of stuff um well i have a lot of friends who are homeopaths so that's great you know we're always talking about remedies and what to take so you know brilliant for that I also have monthly acupuncture sessions Mm -hmm. um, which I couldn't have over the first few months of spring this year um, but I'm back into that now Mm -hmm. um, and that really helps me tick over well Um, I've had some online sessions with various therapist colleagues I had an online craniosacral session yesterday I had an online Reiki healing session and I also like I I walk every day and for me walking really allows me to connect with nature and ground myself and really feel part of something bigger than my work yeah um, which I think is hugely important yeah and what about uh, learning and improving yourself? You've just um, fairly recently finished uh, studying, you said. Yeah. How do you keep up to, to speed, up to date with things? Well, um, as a homeopath, we have to attend and continue professional development days. So um, I was booked in to go on a, a seminar about teenage health, but I couldn't go because of lockdown. So I'm hoping that one will come back up um, as soon as everything gets back to normal. Yeah. Um, and I like to learn things online um there's great portals online for homeopaths to sort of log into and watch recordings by eminent homeopaths who have lots of knowledge to share um yeah I mean and I read I read a lot and I 
I talk to a lot of people about what we do and share ideas. That's the great thing about coaching therapists is that I have great conversations with people. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting as well you're saying about, you know, um, things being online. I think that's been one of the advantages of the pandemic as well, that so many more people who wouldn't have been online or put their stuff online have either had to or have chosen to, even down to things like, you know, at the beginning of lockdown, we watched a load of the NT Live performances and national yeah. theater live um mm-hmm. which you know we we might have seen one of them maybe by going to the cinema and watching it there you know had it yeah normal world sort of thing but actually because they were on and they were on every week and they were changing well you know we were avidly <laughs> yeah I watched one as well I think I watched one with James Corden in it yes, the, um, yeah that was good governors. Yeah. that was very good yeah. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. um but you know just you know that's a sort of a small example but you know, some of the, uh, you know, teachers, people who um, have things to offer have just, you know, gone online, put stuff online to be generous during the situation. So th- there's a lot of stuff that's now available that, that perhaps wouldn't have been. Uh, there is. And, and also we've got YouTube and you know, other platforms that we can tap into as well. And it's it has opened up so much stuff. It's that, yeah. that has been great. That's been one really good thing that's come out of lockdown. Yes. Yeah. So last couple of questions. What about those days when you um, have awful days where things go horribly wrong? <laughs> How do you do yeah. that? <laughs> we all have them, don't we? Yeah. Um, I, I'm really good at reaching out to people um, if I feel a bit low. Um, mm-hmm. So I have good groups of friends that I can reach out to. Um, but I also really love walking. And if I've had a really bad day or a heavy day, then I will pop my earphones in go for a walk listen to some really loud music um or listen to a podcast and just walk and walk until I feel like okay I'm ready to go back home and Mm. sort of get I've got my head around stuff yes yeah 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 thank you you were recommended for the podcast by Heather Waring weren't you so (laughs) yes I've done some walks with Heather she's great and you know we have a similar um mindset about walking and the power of it yeah (laughs) And what about those days where you get to live more and that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do? What do those days look like for you? Well, I think for me, the days where I, I get to live more are those where I spend time with my family. Um, I spend time with my children. My husband um, will go out. Um, we, we really love food and we really like um, exploring food from other cultures. Uh-huh. The food plays a big part in our family time um I really love to read I read a lot um and I really like to have good conversations with people um and being sort of part of networks and groups of people who share the same interests as me is really important um so I really like talking about um, astrology and I read the tarot and I love talking to people about that um and travel as well I, I love to travel mm, lovely so thank you, Joe. It's been great interviewing you today. Uh, tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch. Thank you, Joe. So um, I have two Instagram accounts. One um, is at joe.homeopath and the other one is at resilient therapists. And the links to everything I do are on both of those accounts in my bio. Lovely. And they'll be in the show notes as well. Thanks yeah. for joining me today. It's been thank really you, Joe. Fun. It's been really good fun talking to you. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 193, you'll find them there. This week, continuing the January theme of self-care, I'd like to talk about sleep. 
We talked about it at the Calm Gold members call on Monday and we ended up with another list of lots of resources that hopefully you'll find interesting. One of our members talked about the fact that he's been on a keto diet for most of the last year and he's noticed a massive difference in his sleep. He says that his wife says he doesn't snore anymore and he said, you know, he's lost quite a lot of weight, which has obviously helped. Um, But, you know, just being on that diet has made a big difference in terms of his sleep. One of our other members talked about having done a programme with the NHS last year and it was an online programme and she was referred onto it uh, through her GP and she said that's the only way to get onto it but she said it was really helpful and actually gave us loads of tips that she learned while she was there. So she talked about things like not napping although you know I've also read elsewhere that napping can be really helpful. I think as with many of these things it's about what works for you and, and sort of trying and testing these things. So for some people, napping helps. For some people, it doesn't. But I think what they said on the programme, if you have a sleep problem, then napping may not help with that. So she talked about waking up in the middle of the night and how the advice was to, if you were awake for more than about 15 minutes, just to get up and do something else. And I heard that on a podcast that I listened to a couple of weeks ago, the diary of a CEO Stephen Bartlett was interviewing a sleep expert and she was saying much the same thing you know rather than staying in bed and struggling to go back to sleep and actually getting more stressed because you're not sleeping which then in turn stops your sleep she said to just get up and go do something more fun perhaps read a book potter around do whatever and then you know a bit later on go back to sleep and try again which I thought was really interesting advice and was also what was shared um, by Penny in the group on Monday. A rather random one that she also shared with us that they had taught her on the course was when you're not sleepy or if you can't sleep to just mouth the word the and she said you don't have to say it out loud you just literally have to mouth it and keep mouthing it and it will get you yawning which in turn will help you to start to think about sleeping. So I've not heard that one before Uh, so if you do that and it works uh, do let me know. Going back to the podcast that I heard last week with a sleep expert, she said that some of the issue around sleep now, she thinks, is because people worry about sleep and see it as being something that's really important, which, you know, I think most of us would agree it is. But actually, because we know it's important and we know we need to have enough of it, that sometimes when we start to have sleep issues, the sort of stress of worrying about having a sleep issue can cause more trouble where we're worrying that we're not sleeping and that in turn stops us sleeping so it becomes a real vicious circle so a lot of the advice advice that she was giving was very much about relaxing and just letting it be and just knowing that you'd be getting enough to sort of function it may not be as good and as much as it should be but to not sort of tie us up in not up in knots worrying about not sleeping because that is sort of worse for you and the more you relax the the less you worry about it and the more likely you are to get more sleep. A couple of books I'd recommend on the topic. Uh, One of them is the Matthew Walker book, which is called, I think, Why We Sleep. And the other book is The Power of When, which is one that I found really useful. And it's where it talks about four different chronotypes, uh, depending on when you want to sleep and when's most natural for you, and actually thinking about the best time to do things based on that. So again, you've heard me talk on the podcast on a number of occasions, if you're a regular listener, about the fact that I'm what um, that book 
describes as a wolf. So I am a, a night bird, to use another description. So I like to stay up late and get up late and my day really is quite shifted compared to other people. I know that, I understand that. I'm really lucky that I work for myself and because I work from home and I schedule my time, I can schedule my time so that I work later in the day and I don't start work early in the morning and I can really build my schedule around my preference. Uh, The book was really helpful in that. So that's the power of when. I also talked about the app called Sleep Cycle, which I've been using for a long time now. And I find it useful for a couple of reasons. One of them is that it monitors my sleep so I can see how well I've slept. And um, a bit of a sort of mind over matter, I was laughing, saying that if it tells me that I didn't sleep very well and I thought that I did sleep well, then I believe myself and I assume that I did sleep well and there's something wrong with the app. (laughs) And on the other side of it, when I feel like I didn't sleep very well and the app has said that I did, then I believe the app. (laughs) So either way, it's a (laughs) win-win. But the other reason that I really like the app, and the main reason, to be fair, is the fact that you can set an alarm and you can set a period of time before the alarm goes off for the app to wake you. And the idea is that the app wakes you at the time when you're least asleep in time for when your alarm is due to go. So if, for example, you're setting an alarm to go off at 8 o'clock and you have a sort of 30-minute amount of time before then to potentially wake up the app will monitor your sleep pattern and if at perhaps 7:45 you have come into sort of quite a light sleep then it will wake you up then rather than waiting for you to go back into a bit of a deeper sleep and then setting off you know a loud alarm at eight o'clock to actually wake you up so it wakes you earlier than your planned time in the moment when you're least asleep Or if that hasn't happened, then it just goes off at the normal time. And I really like that because I don't like being woken abruptly. And it uh, doesn't do that uh, unless, as I said, you haven't come out of your sort of deep sleep in time. So that's why I particularly like to use that. One of the group actually mentioned something that I read, oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago that I do. And a friend of mine started to do and found really helpful as well. And that's actually to wear socks when you go to bed Uh, so weirdly I wear socks all through the summer Um, I quite often kick the bedclothes off because I'm too hot uh, and I've got socks on obviously (laughs) so that's not really a surprise Um, but I found it really helpful and somebody I knew was struggling with her sleep and I suggested wearing socks quite flippantly and she did and actually it made a massive difference to her so um, and I you know I know scientifically there was a reason for it Um, But it does seem a bit weird that it does work. But I would recommend it if you've not tried it. We talked about magnesium. Uh, I take magnesium supplements. I take them because I follow the keto diet anyway. Um, But you can also take an Epsom salts bath, which has magnesium in it. There is cream that you can buy that has magnesium in it. So like body cream that can help you to absorb the magnesium. And there's also a spray. We certainly use that when Ellie was younger and was struggling with sleep and was getting sort of um, uh, growing pains in her legs and that sort of stuff and we'd use the spray every night before she went to bed and found that really helpful. One of the group mentioned a couple of apps that she uses as well. One of them was Headspace which uh, has been mentioned before as a meditation app but can also help with sleep and also with things like mindfulness and so on. So Headspace and she talked about the fact that there's stories uh, that you can listen to that she said are not terribly exciting and that's the whole point. <laughs> it's the sort of gentle voice that's telling the story that helps you to uh, fall asleep. She also mentioned an 
app called Insight Timer, which is a meditation and sleep and music app. So that might be something that would be worth checking out. One of the other members in the group talked about thinking at night about all the things that he'd done during the day and was planning to do the next day and actually sort of thinking through his plans so that he has worked out what he's going to do the next day and isn't then worrying about it, which helps him then to go to sleep without any of those sorts of concerns because he sort of closed down that day and planned ahead for the next day. I then mentioned that there's a sleep journal on Power to Live More Calm on the membership site in the materials section that's downloadable for people to use if they're looking to track their sleep and they like pen and paper for such things. And then one of the members talked about another app around napping and that's called Power Nap and that enables you to have a 20 minute power nap or a 45 minute nap where you don't get too deep into your sleep or you can have a 90 minute sort of full cycle and you just keep your phone handy whilst you're sleeping and then it goes off at the appropriate time for you so that can help if you do want to think about taking a nap and you don't want to you know fall asleep for too long I know in the past when I used to think about having a nap during the day I'd quite often then find myself three hours later still in bed and not able to wake up properly so um, that power up can be really helpful for that so I hope you found this useful next month's theme is simplify which is my second fundamental. And the topic that we're going to be talking about uh, next week is uh, all about purpose. And that's purpose in your life and purpose in your business. Again, the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 193. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.